Hey everyone, welcome to Hit the Apex podcast. I'm Jawad as always. Thank you for joining me on the 25th of July, Thursday as per usual and off the back of a weekend with no motorsport. So you would have heard last week me saying that it's a rare weekend that was coming up where there was no racing at all, no F1, no V8 supercars, no MotoGP either because they're on their mid-season break. So you might be thinking, what did I do with myself that weekend? Well, I did whatever I usually do normally when there's no sport, you know, contrary to belief, you know, I might just sit here and consume a lot of sport a lot of the time, but um, no, no, there was a bit of Netflix, some movies that I hadn't seen um, and stuff like that, being social for a, for a change as well, I guess, um, so no, there's there's plenty beyond motorsport and sport in general, so it was kind of nice to actually have a bit of a break um, from the racing rigmarole and, you know, we've got the F1 mid-season break coming up after a couple of back-to-back races, which we've got the first of this weekend in Germany. Hockenheim, possibly the last German Grand Prix for a while. It's always uh, a funny story with the German Grand Prix over the last few years. You know, it was great when they were alternating with the Nürburgring in Hockenheim, um, but then obviously lack of money coming there or funding and what sort of thing. And that's where, I guess, you know, got to be fortunate where Silverstone's signed on, even though they don't really get state funding and everything. Germany this year, they've even got Mercedes-Benz as the title sponsor of the race. You know, you'd think that given Mercedes' dominance in the recent past and everything that they would be, the German fans would be a lot more... um, you know, into it, but it doesn't seem so, you know, they've got their other sports that they like, and even with Sebastian Vettel's domination um, in the, between 2010-2013-14, you know, the interest was not really there, and back then you had, I think, now, well, it's kind of balanced at the moment, the nationalities on the grid, but back then you had quite a bit of German presence. You had Vettel, of course, Nico Hülkenberg, Michael Schumacher was still on the grid, Timo Glock as well, um, Nico Rosberg too. So, yeah, it was almost like a quarter of the grid were German drivers, yet the interest was simply not there. So, But anyway, um, Mercedes, they've been the dominant team, I guess, uh, in the hybrid era at this circuit, they've only raced here three times, obviously, because they had gaps in 2015 and 2017, um, but every race that they have had here, they've won. Uh, Lewis Hamilton, 39-point lead over Valtteri Bottas in the championship. Bottas, he just needs a win to stay in touch, you got to say. It's, uh, you know, it was cruel what happened in Silverstone, but that's just racing. Um, he had Hamilton's measure, you know, in qualifying and even um, the start of the race too, he was able to hold him off. So, you know, Bottas has just got to to try and, you know, fight back this weekend, get the luck to go his way if he can. And Mercedes could be a special livery. They've, uh, they've got lined up this weekend too. They keep teasing pictures on social media and I'm just like, hurry up and release the thing. <laughs> you know, stop teasing, but I reckon, that, I mean, at the time of recording, we still haven't seen this new livery yet, so I'm expecting um, later on this evening or even Friday 
ahead of practice they're going to unveil that so and that'll be nice too i mean the teaser images that they've shown look pretty good bit of red in there a lot of white and you know that retro mercedes benz logo as well which um i'm sure many fans will be really excited to see so that's mercedes i guess you know it's their 200th grand prix start as well this weekend so dating back to the french grand prix in 1954 so you know the the stars are aligning for mercedes you could say the silver stars silver arrows whatever i mean it's going to take a lot for them to be beaten anyway a bit of capitulation you could say like with what um, happened to sebastian vettel last year 12 months ago since his famous uh, crash that pretty much was the end of his championship challenge you could say um, and i've written about this this week and i talked in depth about it last week on this podcast that um, ever since you know you could say that vettel's been making more mistakes than ever before and he doesn't seem like the same driver and you know in my article um I concluded basically it I think a championship's out of reach for him now given the depth of competition around him his own teammate Charles Leclerc has been really solid this season despite a bit of a a shaky start and when you look at the championship you know Leclerc's only three points behind Vettel now and he's getting better and better the last two races his wheel-to-wheel battles with Max Verstappen is what has caught the headlines and of course Leclerc finishing on the podium as well there in in Silverstone so he's got that consistency under his belt and ever since Austria where you know he was barged you know shoved out of the way by Verstappen at the end of the race and lost the race win Leclerc is the one who said well you know if this is how it's going to be then I'm going to change my mentality on how I race so you know it'll be good to see him with a bit of fire in the belly and Vettel you know I guess just in general under the spotlight um, after a rough campaign so far and it's hard to believe that at this time last year he how he I think held the championship lead over Hamilton or was not too far behind before that crash that turned the you know I guess it ruined his race but also turned the face of the championship around too because Hamilton had a horror weekend you know qualifying I think he was only like 14th or something and in the race didn't look too impressive until Vettel crashed the rain of course that came into effect which could potentially affect the race this weekend too there's a bit of some showers forecast for Saturday Sunday Um, Hamilton was nowhere and it was uh, you know Vettel that threw it all away and put Hamilton back into touch so you know that's not going to happen this year of course um, because Vettel is 100 points exactly um, behind Hamilton in the championship so you know 100 points that's four race wins in a row if Hamilton has four DNFs or four non-point scoring finishes in a row so you know even though there's still like 11 races left in the season it's still not possible I think from here to to see Ferrari or Sebastian Vettel win the championship but they've got some positive news that they can take I guess I mean they've had to go back and get um, Simone Resta who went off to the Alfa Romeo team last year to be their technical director Um, they've actually decided to bring him back into the Scuderia so strengthening their technical department for 2020 he'll see out the rest of I think the next couple of months gardening leave or whatever and then be back working at Maranello 
you know, he along with Laurent Mackies, and then of course um, Benotto, Matteo Benotto, who's the team principal, but also very much still involved in those technical um, things, you know, power unit side, chassis side, and all that sort of thing. So, you know, I think that's what they've got to focus on, just put all the eggs into the basket for next year, get a car that's going to be consistent and, you know, operate in all sort of scenarios. You know, they were complaining this year at the start of the year that the operating window of their car is very small, kind of like the, the Haas situation, but obviously not as uh, diabolical. And to go from being quickest in pre-season testing, and I know this is this is like the best example of, oh, don't take pre-season testing form um, into account with anything, uh, you know, what we saw in pre-season was like, okay, you know, hang on, they seem to be very consistent, they're fast, reliable, it just all went, <laughs> it all went in the dustbin, so... You know, they've just got to put their eggs into their basket for next year. That being said, though, you can still, you know, with a question mark, say, you know, they can challenge for some wins this year, maybe this weekend. Their man, Red Bull, uh, you look at the straights on this track, so Sector 1 is pretty a fast sector, you could say, with three straights involved, or semi-straights, you can call them. Ferrari could be fastest there if they've still got the better power unit. Sector 2, long straight, hairpin, and then, you know, a few twisty parts as well. Still some straights in there. So, you know, they could be quick. It just depends on how they come out in practice. The concerning thing is, though, in the races, they still seem to be very weak. You know, you look at Austria, for example, when Verstappen was able to catch Leclerc at the end and pass him. You know, it's just uh, down to the tyres as well that those... Ferrari cars are struggling on them at the moment too in race spec and then yeah you know them having to go on soft tires in Q2 to and then have to start the race on a soft tire as opposed to Red Bull and Mercedes who and yes I said Red Bull there this is surprising that they can get through Q2 on a set of mediums with uh, the Honda power unit which just continues to to comes leaps and bounds so you know don't rule out Ferrari or Red Bull, but, you know, Mercedes, you can pretty much put them as the hot tip for this weekend. You know, if it rains, I think I would probably favour Red Bull anyway at the moment, just given their form, Verstappen's form as well. He's relentless, ruthless. And Ferrari, you know, if you'd had to put your bets on anybody, you'd probably be pulling it behind Leclerc at the moment. But then again... Vettel, it's the perfect opportunity for him to make a statement, to bounce back. We all thought that Canada was was that moment where he was making a statement that he's back, but, you know, what happened at the end of the race was like, well, you've just gone and thrown it all, all in the bin. Yes, you can talk about all the penalty nonsense and the rules, it ruined a good race and everything, but at the end of the day, you know, Vettel still was forced into making a mistake, so that sits above everything <laughs> in the end so that'll that'll cover all that so we'll see how it all pans out for the top 10 as usual the midfield battle is probably where you know you'll probably have your eyes glued to most of the time so McLaren and Renault together fighting again they had a good good um, race at Silverstone did McLaren Renault ended up scoring some points too it's Home race for Nico Hulkenberg, so it'll be a, a good one for him, you'd hope. And especially with his future being talked about a lot as well, you know, whether he stays at Renault next year, 
Red Bull questions about that, and and also, um, you know, it'll be good for him to come out and make a statement. But for McLaren too, you know, Lando Norris, of course, came out on the wrong side of that safety car strategy last week or a couple of weeks ago at Silverstone, and he, you know, you know, his own harshest critic is uh, poor Lando, so he'll need a good result this weekend to G him up. Science has been in excellent touch, and. You know, you could do a whole podcast if you want about McLaren and their driver lineup. You know, just their driver lineup, how it just seems to be, they seem to complement each other perfectly. You know, there's no sort of tension there. There's no, like, I don't want to say there's no expectation because, you know, you kind of expect science, who's almost, even though he's still, what, 20-something, very young, um, to be, a, he's a journeyman. You know, he's he's been at two teams now. He had a few years at Toro Rosso, had the year at Renault as well. But now this is where he sort of matures. And then Norris, who's like the, the rookie, the junior driver looking to make his mark. You know, you don't look at them and say, you know, the weight of the world's on their shoulders. But that's been good because they've been able to come out and have a really solid season so far. And McLaren themselves as well have continued to make steps in the right direction, you know, where they've sort of brushed away all the remnants of the past, you know, past leadership, management, whatever you want to call it, and have really just started anew again, and this is really good to see. You could almost say, almost like what Ron Dennis did um, in the 80s when he took over at McLaren. So, you know, this is very much, you know, Zach Brown's team, even though he isn't really, you know, you could say he's not the team principal, you know, he can step back and manage the whole organisation, and then as far as the day-to-day running of the team, that's in Andreas Seidel's hands, who's already made an impact um, in the short time he's been there, so really good to see that, Um, I'm sure all the McLaren fans, and I know quite a few, (laughs) will be really happy to to see their progress this year, and yeah, you know, Hockenheim, um, could be another venue for success for them this weekend. Haas, okay, so they've been in the headlines quite a bit, um, even leading into the Silverstone Grand Prix in regards to their title sponsor, but also, you know, their drivers, Roman Grosjean under pressure. There was actually rumours that Esteban Ocon could potentially replace Roman Grosjean this weekend for the rest of the season, so we haven't heard anything as yet. Roman Grosjean is... He has done all his preview work for the website and all that, so you'd assume that he's driving on. But it would kind of seem silly anyway, as far as Ocon is concerned, because if he is still very much a Mercedes affiliate driver, for them to go on and loan him out to a team that has Ferrari power units, or essentially they get regarded as the Ferrari B team, so kind of doesn't make sense but at the same time there are a lot of people who want to see Ocon on the grid but um, there's going to be some patience and um, 2020 will be the year where we see the return of Esteban but Haas they're going to um, go with the same philosophy that they did in Silverstone only this time they're probably going to hope that um, both drivers don't crash into each other that's always good so Upgrades are coming for Kevin Magnussen's car, but Roman Grosjean's going to keep the Australian Grand Prix spec car, so, you know, the first race of the season, and try and correlate um, between the two specs to see, you know, if they can nail 
where their issues are or try to rectify them. So, and again, with the the whole sponsorship uh, saga as well with Rich Energy, there was a teaser, I guess, or some kind of cryptic message in one of their social media posts, you know, that they could be potentially reverting to their their old livery, the CNC machines, as we like to call them, <laughs> a couple of friends of mine and I. Um, they could be reverting to those uh, old liveries, um, not the black and gold uh, rich energy ones that we've seen. So, And as for rich energy, I really couldn't care at the moment um, what's going on with them. Apparently, they've kicked William Story out, um, and uh, they still have a contract with with Haas, but they're changing names or something, Lightning Volt Energy or some corny nonsense like that. In the end, you could all just say that it was dubious from the start, so let's not waste any more energy on them. You see what I did there? That's rich. God, that's... Every t- it's, 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 it's awful. <laughs> it's awful. I don't know, somebody might find it funny. I don't, but anyway. So we'll see how Haas goes. You can't really expect them to where they are at the moment, even in race, you know, even in qualifying spec. Roman Grosjean's been awful, but hopefully Magnussen can uh, qualify somewhere near the top 10 or inside the top 10 and then just see how they go during the race. You know, are they going to plummet again or can they actually maintain their, their position? So we'll have to see. Williams as well, you know, at least it's good to see see them making progress and um, what's coming out of their camp as well, that, you know, the word coming out of their camp is that it is looking good and for next year they're going to be making some strides. A lot of talk about George Russell as well, uh, you know, his championship material, he's a really good driver. So I guess when you're having a difficult campaign, you know, like even for the drivers, for someone like Russell in particular, who actually has these wraps on him of being a possible world-beating driver in the future, to be only, you know, fighting with your teammate at the back of the grid and then having a best finish of 14th can be really tough. But, you know, if he can get through this year and then, you know, next year, of course, uh, stay with the team, you know, you can, then people are going to hail him for sticking it out and then actually taking Williams back to sort of that midfield battle where they've been in the last few years. Um, So we'll see how they go with that. Good to see as well that um, we had the confirmation yesterday that there'll be a season two for the Drive to Survive Netflix series. I mean, it was already known that it was going to happen. Like uh, at the Australian Grand Prix, I think through the whole weekend, I saw Netflix cameras all over the place um filming and apparently even at the airport <laughs> in Melbourne as well they were there filming people arriving and all that sort of thing so but the good thing about um it for next year is for season two is that all teams are going to feature in this so we'll have Mercedes in there we'll have Ferrari in there and I think that's sort of that was sort of my only criticism of the first series which documented 2018 was the it would have been nice to have seen Mercedes and Ferrari in particular because of the Vettel versus Hamilton championship thing so you know this year obviously the championship's not been as uh, as close between those two teams but at least we'll get the insight um, between those guys see you know a bit more insight into Lewis Hamilton Sebastian Vettel as well even though he's such a private character 
you know, Leclerc we saw last year um, at Alfa Romeo, his uh, story, and then, of course, Bottas as well will be a, a good inclusion. So, yeah, that's it for, for Hockenheim, the German Grand Prix. Hopefully the weather comes in and uh, spices it up a little bit, but otherwise, you know, it should be a good race, you know, and that's great to see that we've had two good races back-to-back, um, Austria and, and Germany, sorry, and um, and Silverstone. So if they have the same sort of race here this weekend, a lot of battles all over the place, Verstappen, Leclerc, you know, the thing that's going to go on for a, a decade or more, it's going to really be exciting. So, yeah, I think that one week off, Racing in F1 has me all G'd up to to see what happens this weekend. So next up then, today, the 2021 regulations. And there was a bit of a, a release, press release, whatever you want to call it, last week about um, a more expanded vision of what they're doing for the 2021 regulations. Kind of what, you know, has been talked about for quite some time and... Uh, you know, you could call it the silver lining, if you will, as I've uh, named this episode in German, the Schilberstriefen. Um, once upon a time, I could speak German really well, but it's um, it's all gone, I'm afraid. <laughs> so a silver lining, you could say, for the sport, and what they're, what they're talking about, essentially, we kind of already knew is what's being worked towards, but having a bit more detail I guess is is nice and we're still all looking forward to the deadline in October to see what these regulations will actually look like so I've sort of broken it down in bullet points as they had on the website the F1 website but just a bit more simplistic for the layman more raceable cars is obviously the first step so having more durable tires um, not these tyres that they sort of have to just walk around on eggshells and, you know, given that they want to minimise pit stop time altogether, they're going to try and stretch out um, the tyres as much as they can rather than making two or three stops in a race to try and make sure they go flat out at all times. That'll be good to see just to eliminate that altogether. And Pirelli, you know, and I've felt sorry for Pirelli ever since they came into the sport in 2011 because they were under the proviso or the direction of the commercial rights holder of the sport to make tyres that were like eggshells, you know. So the fact that, you know, they've lasted, they've gone this long... You know, it'll be good to see them actually make a tyre for 2021, which will be loved by all universally. So it's you can't say it's their fault for delivering the product that they have because that's what they were told to do. <laughs> Ban on tyre blankets, um, another one. So, you know, uh, not having the tyres warmed up before the race, a um, bit more unpredictability in that. That's also a cost-cutting measure as well. So we'll go over to that a bit later about being a more financially viable championship as well for teams another point in the raceable cars and whatnot was refueling now i know this is a bit of a curly subject with a lot of people now a lot of some people will say oh bring back you refueling it'll make it all exciting me personally i'm not a fan of refueling particularly for formula one or grand prix racing because we're at a stage now with technology where, you know, these ultra-efficient power units should be able to run a Grand Prix on a on a tank of fuel or whatever, the 100 litres that they get. 
hundred kilograms um, per race, but their idea is that oh, you know, if you run the cars as light as possible throughout the race, it'll be more exciting, and then you know you refuel during the race, and it works in things like supercars um, in their sprint races as well, um, and of course in endurance racing where you have to refuel i mean it's it'll be a miracle if they ever do a whole 24 hour le mans on a tank of fuel you know that would be quite something but from that perspective it seems a bit more logical but at the same time the whole safety side of it is where i'm coming from where it's not also in a safety sense not really the greatest thing to have so and also they're talking about if they were to do this that they've got to have a more viable financially a financially viable way of doing it too so not let teams spend millions of dollars on their refueling rigs and stuff like that it has to all be standardized equipment and everything like that so we might as well go to the financially viable championship thing now so the budget cap which has already been talked about standardized parts as well so you know they're looking at standard gearboxes wheel rims that sort of thing to just reduce the cost of you know on the small teams that they don't have to really go and um, spend oodles of money to try and equal mercedes who might spend like a trillion dollars on a wheel nut or a hubcap or something like that so or the button on their steering wheel you know it's it's ridiculous so that sort of just cuts it down and i guess the overall the overall philosophy behind this is also just go racing for less money and that's what will get people outside the sport you know other manufacturers uh, other teams who are looking to to potentially get into f1 a lot more attracted to it because it's like at the moment what's the return on investment sort of thing so you know if it was a lot more affordable to do it um, then we might see more teams come into the come into the sport you know it's we heard as well i don't know if you saw or not um last week a video on drive tribe uh, jeremy clarkson telling talking about his you know what f1 should do in the future and um you know he listed a bunch of things a lot of them you know in typical clarkson fashion but the thing that i took away from that more importantly was the fact that he says you know a lot of these changes are being resisted towards because mercedes and ferrari are not happy with it and he his response basically was that if they're not happy then they should just bugger off like that wasn't his exact words and i'm not going to repeat them here but it was pretty strong and i have to agree with that if ferrari mercedes are not happy with what the direction the sport is going in as far as you know actually opening it up to to other entrants to make it a lot more exciting for the fans as well and just to make it a more universal sport then yeah they can they can leave because it's only hurting the sport by them having a veto on everything or them only racing or setting the regulations for them to benefit from it you know so like i've said this a long time about ferrari i said you know if they're not happy about things then they can go because f1 doesn't really need ferrari but ferrari needs f1 because it's their only form of advertising you know so and that's the only way they sell their products not necessarily cars but all their aftershaves and you know handbags and suitcases and stuff like that bibs for babies that sort of thing so 
it doesn't really matter who's there as long as there is a there is a Formula One. You've got ten teams, twelve teams. You've got some manufacturers on the grid. You know, Renault. There. Let's get Aston Martin in. You've got Honda. Mercedes can be there if they want. Ferrari can be there if they want. It doesn't matter. You look at endurance racing, sports car racing, and Audi, Porsche. They all left. Uh, Toyota is gonna. Who knows? They're staying around. And they're staying even when the hypercar regulations come on board, when Aston Martin come into the sport. So things change. It's it's the cyclical nature of how everything works in a way. Like, let's not get all philosoph- uh, philosophical about it, but I kind of agree with what Clarkson is saying in regards to Mercedes and Ferrari. They should just leave if, if it means that they don't get what they want, but we get what we want as people who want this championship to be a lot more competitive and to see a lot more a uh, lot more competition in it so competitive grids too so they're talking about removal of driver more driver aids reduced telemetry in car the wow factor as well so you know the fashion is more is as important as the function too so you know styling the cars cars in a way for people to to go wow that's uh, they they're sexy looking cars or whatever um uh, and also you know lap times are not as important sort of thing they want the cars to look fierce and aggressive too and what i'm pretty excited to see i don't know if it's excitement's the right word but what i'm interested to see as well is what um uh, Nicholas Timbazas was talking about. So, of course, on the the FOM technical team, they've got a bunch of ex-technical directors and um, technical chiefs from teams. Pat Simmons, of course, then Ross Braun is their big boss. And Timbazas, who's another ex-Ferrari guy, um, they're working on preventing loopholes. So they're thinking like an engineer or aerodynamicist would because, obviously, that's what their jobs were beforehand. And they're trying to f- come up with solutions that, or loopholes, but then say, okay, this is how someone will think of a loophole to this. So this is what we're going to do to prevent the loophole, which will mean that it'll be harder for teams to, to come up with these trick solutions that they have. You know, like imagine if they did this back in 2009 or 2010 when uh, Red Bull, even though they banned the double diffuser or whatever, or the whatever it was blown exhaust system it's you know it's a decade ago and my memories uh, <laughs> you know it's not that great anymore anyway um yeah when they banned that in 2009 2010 and how red bull was still able to use it you know go through a loophole to do that imagine if they closed that red bull would not have been dominant through that period so this is going to be important and i think this is what you know when they announced ross braun to be like the technical um, chief for Formula One was like, okay, well, you know, even though we've got a poacher and uh, turn him into a gamekeeper, they're actually going to still think like think like poachers and see, okay, well, what what are they going to do? What are the teams going to do? What are the aerodynamicists going to do? We're going to be one step ahead of him rather than you know leaving these loophole loopholes open, which means that one person will be able to exploit it and then be unbeatable for like a decade or something so that's really good to see that they're doing that um, teams and drivers being consulted with so likes of Lewis Hamilton, Nico Hulkenberg have been 
privy to these meetings and everything and it's good that the drivers get their input because again teams think differently to drivers drivers have to go out and drive these cars obviously so all the sensations you know it's about how they feel as well in the cars whereas the teams will just want to be the fastest on track and you know dominate everything whereas the drivers you know they do this for the love of it as well and they want to feel you know like that it is really the pinnacle of the competition so that's another good thing and also Ross Braun has said that it's not going to be a one-stop shop you know he wants the rules to continue to evolve over time but evolve is the key word so the fact that they're not going to keep changing the rules every year every couple of years have a solid base to start off with which will be 2021 but they just keep continue evolving those rules around that not come up with band-aid solutions and this sort of thing so hearing all that that's a lot more positive i guess um, even though it would still be nice to have those rules set in concrete already and not have all these delays and ferrari veto this mercedes throws hands up in the air and threatens they'll quit nonsense or whatever because i think that's the fundamental problem with formula one at the moment it's great that what liberty media have done since they've come in and the new formula one management has been great the only thing that is not that great at the moment is the fact that guys like mercedes and ferrari seem to be you know sort of you know they're they've sort of been bullying everyone to try and back them in this in the words jeremy clarkson even though i'm not going to repeat what he said bugger off and this is where liberty have got to put the draw a line in the sand and say yep you know if you don't want to be a part of this then that's that's your tough luck because in the end everyone else will benefit we're going to have a better championship for it you know perhaps williams might even end up uh, you know returning to the top of the grid as a result of this you know if it helps them haas might win a championship if they can sort out their issues and get a title sponsor that isn't as uh, dodgy as uh, off milk for example so yeah that's all I got to say in regards to that, but I'm sure, you know, in the coming days and months when we get closer to that deadline and eventually when we get to that deadline and they release what the 2021 regs are going to look like, there's going to be a lot said. So um, that'll be good to, to see. And quickly as well, um, before we switch off F1 altogether, a bit of calendar news too, and this sort of caught everyone off guard, but it's good news, and that's uh, Melbourne has had its contract to host the Australian Grand Prix extended to 2025 so 2025 will also celebrate the 30th year of the Grand Prix in Melbourne so you know next year of course it's the 70th year of the championship um, and the 25th Australian Grand Prix as well in Melbourne so you know and we all love Melbourne I mean not just because I live here but um that I can say that I love it, but also it's such a universally loved race, you know, even though it hasn't been the most exciting race over the last few years, the model in which the event is built is, you know, something that all other race organisers should take as an example, it's like a festival atmosphere, what they did this year with the season launch at Federation Square, that was, that was totally amazing, you know, having, giving everyone, even though they you know, didn't pay for a ticket to, to go to the track and everything, but anyone could turn up to Fed Square, 
broadcast all over the world as well. Anyone could turn up to Fed Square and get to see their favourite drivers, you know, get the opportunity on along the, um, the river, the walk thing that they had to actually get autographs or photos. I got some good photos actually um, of the drivers coming up. So, you know, it's such a great initiative that they did this year and they continue to, like they did it with, they innovated the Melbourne Walk a few years ago, which I thought was the best thing since sliced bread. And now look at how big big it is. So, yeah, you know, Melbourne continues continues to in, innovate and hopefully even beyond 2025 we get to see the Grand Prix stay around because, of course, I don't want to give it to Sydney. Sydney can go bugger themselves, in the words of Jeremy Clarkson. <laughs> so going to round out this week's uh, podcast with some supercars talk, and um, even though it's felt like an age since we last saw them race, more like three weeks ago, um, it's going to be the last event before a month, proper month-long break, um, and then we'll resume racing at the Bend in South Australia at the end of August, and it also means... What's exciting is because I'm actually going to the Bend in South Australia at the end of August, so it's only a month away till that um, till that trip. So I'm really looking forward to it. But anyway, Ipswich this weekend, the Super Sprint, their calendar for 2020 has been a talking point. I wrote about this last week. Um, of course, 14 events proposed. Two events are going to fall off the calendar for next year, unfortunately. It's not been confirmed yet, but um, Phillip Island and Winton, unfortunately, the two Victorian rounds are facing the cut. They're going to have a winter break as well in between, a proper winter break. So seven events at the start of the year, winter break, and then seven events at the end of it, um, including the Enduros, which will have a bit of a shake-up too. So the bend will actually become an Enduro um, event um, which will be pre-Bathurst of course so that will replace Sandown and Sandown will take its place towards the end of the season um, as a super sprint event so we don't lose Sandown which is good because it's my local circuit here in Melbourne and I love going to Sandown every year been going for the last few years and might actually head down in September if the weather's nice for the Shannon's Nationals that'll be their TCR and um Australian GT, the Australian Endurance Championship will be there too. And speaking of TCR, so they've confirmed as well that they're going to be on the Australian Grand Prix support bill next year. So that'll be good to see those little cars zooming around the Albert Park circuit. Um, We saw the Hyundai this year doing this as part of the speed comparison, um, which was was good with a two-seater and also um, I think a road car. I forgot actually what they had. Um, Feels like such a long time ago. Again, another memory related, memory loss related issue. No, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong. Please don't be concerned. But they'll be there with Australian, uh, with the Supercars Championship, potentially Australian GT or Formula Four. One of those two will be dropping off the support bill. I hope it's Formula Four because they're struggling at the moment. Not that I don't like the championship, but Australian GT is a lot more exciting to watch. Um, and that would be the ultimate um, support bill for an Australian Grand Prix to have supercars, Porsche Carrera Cup, Australian GT, and TCR there as well. And apparently, you know, even though they've confirmed to be there at Albert Park, they were actually blocked from getting on the supercar support bill at the Adelaide 500 next year. So I don't know what that's about. I don't really see TCR, as I said many weeks ago that I don't see TCR as a threat to supercars. Supercars is a completely different product. It is just 
it's yeah let's not go there so that's the shape up for next year and of course adelaide 500 will kick off the 2019 um, sorry 2020 supercar season and then uh we'll be going over to melbourne for the australian grand prix support around the melbourne 400 so that's the calendar stuff out of the way so we've had more uh changes in regards to center of gravity again you remember center of gravity that uh that one that old chestnut that's been um doing our heads in all year so far so there's some changes again for this event and it's for all cars as well so not only the ford mustang but the Commodore and the Altima, but the biggest change is actually in the Mustang. So they've had nine of that 28 extra kilos of ballast shifted again. So they've been able to take it out of the roof and redistribute it elsewhere. And uh, I think the Commodore, all the ballast that they had had added to their car has been uh, taken off altogether. So, which was around 6.8 kilos. So we'll see how that impacts the racing this weekend. It's going to be a battle of the heavyweights, though, as it has been over the last year, basically, but at their home test track, so Ipswich, the paperclip, as its uh, layout suggested, looks like. It, it is basically a paperclip. Triple um, Eight and DGR Team Penske, so Triple Eight found a bit of form there in Townsville last time out. Shane Van Gisbergen breaking through for the win. Um, a lot of bit of talk around after their shunt on the opening lap. David Reynolds and Scott McLaughlin, some kind of a rivalry um, emerged out of that. You know, the battle of the podcasts, as they say, because they both have their own podcasts and everything um, as well. So we'll see how that goes for, for them. Erebus as well, very much in the mix to be winning races. And good to see as well that Anton Di Pasquale has been retained for next year. Um, even though they haven't stipulated the exact contract length for him, they've said it's for 2020 and beyond. So it's good for them to lock in a young driver like him who has uh, made serious progress from last year to this year. He scored his first podium, of course, there in um, Phillip Island. So, you know, you can sense that a win is not too far away, especially, you know, if Erebus's form continues. And we know later on in the year, particularly around Enduro time, that they're really strong anyway. So, you know, it'll be good to see um, a win for Deeper Squally if it can come this year at some point. So that's one silly season piece um, locked away, which is good. So consistency there for Erebus. But the Chas Mostert thing is still up in the air and it looks like Walkinshaw might be the benefactor in this. You know, they haven't made any announcements yet, but it almost seems likely that he's going to make the switch. The question, though, is uh, who will his teammate be? You know, James Courtney and Scott Pye there currently. Personally, I would like to see Scott Pye retained, given the fact that he um, is the he won their only race in the last two years or year and a half uh, back at the Australian Grand Prix last year. So, you know, it's just been a shocking season for them so far, shocking year for them last year. James Courtney hasn't really impressed, I would say, much over the last year or whatever, ever since they started with these ZB Commodores or whatever. So, you know, I was gutted that, you know, they got rid of Garth Tander in the first place. You know, Tander shafted twice, you could say, um, in a couple of years, you know, shafted by GRM again. And for GRM too, um, Richie Stanaway still very doubtful 
for him to come back anytime soon with his neck injury persisting. So again, this weekend in Ipswich, there'll be Michael Caruso who will deputise for him at his old team. And he had a solid weekend um, in Townsville. So, you know, Caruso, could he be on the uh, cusp of getting back on the grid for next year as well? That'll be good to see. So I'm what I'm interested in seeing is uh, if by some reason or whatever chance um, Stanaway is unable to make it back in time for the Enduros um, who drives there you know because they've got his co-driver I think Richard I think Chris Pith is the the co-driver there sorry not Richard Musket Uh, Chris Pith is the co-driver there and Michael Caruso who is filling in at the moment he's the co-driver for Cameron Waters at the Tickford team so you know we can't I mean what's going to happen does uh Caruso have to honor his Tickford contract and drive for Caruso sorry drive for Cameron Waters in the Enduros or does um he be allowed to steer the the GRM car so that'll be an interesting one to see um how that pans out but we all hope that Richie gets better and he'll be back on the grid sooner than later. He's had a horrible time in supercars since he came in full-time last year. It was such a hyped-up move when, you know, after he won at Sandown with Cam Waters a few years ago and his uh, debut in Super 2 was really solid too. He's just not really had the rubber of green in the main game in supercars, so we'll see how they go. So a couple of races up there for you this weekend. Um in the championship of supercars Scott McLaughlin still leading by miles so we'll see if he can add to those points or if something dramatic happens and uh, he isn't able to it was around this time last year that yeah that triple eight started gaining some momentum so you know if it's going to be the same story this year um, can we see DJR team Penske fight back and um, also grow that lead heading into the enduro so yeah well that kind of wraps it up for this week and uh, quickly before i do finish up i'm gonna give you a little preview actually i'm gonna be moonlighting on another podcast um, later today actually depending on when you listen to this um, but it will be later today on thursday the 25th of july um, the Regen E Racing Podcast. If you guys haven't heard of them, check them out. They're all about electric racing, um, Formula E. We're going to be talking about Moto E actually today, so I do look forward to it. Uh, Dino and Chris, the host uh, of that one, and I know Dino is a regular listener to Hit the Apex, so thank you for the shout out last week uh, after the New York E Pre edition that you guys did. So, yeah, I look forward to being on that this week and talking some Moto E. Um, I did briefly mention it a couple of weeks ago, Moto E in the first race there at the Saxon Rings, so it'll be nice to talk a little bit more about it and um, whatever else the guys want to talk about too. I just I look forward to, to um, being able to talk to them for the first time and um, I think th- we did have some talk as well, potentially... Uh, Dino coming on to hit the apex at some point as well because I'd really like to talk about Formula E and where the championship's at at the moment and where it's heading in the future obviously with with Porsche also um, and, and also Mercedes stepping up their involvement as well for the next season and you know what what does it mean for the future as well you know um, in general electric cars and that sort of thing so yeah no thanks for tuning into this one 
better give the vocal cords a rest before we uh, head on to the Regen podcast. But thanks for tuning in again this week and um, look forward to the racing this weekend. And I'll be back next week to, to debrief and then look forward to Hungary. Cheers.